0: Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional, and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling, and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started.
1: Hey team, Katie Howe from Equestrian Movement, and this is episode 30 of the First Do No Harm podcast. And today we're talking about why does my horse buck. So if you have a horse that has a buck here and there or you have a significant bucking problem, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Obviously, have a listen to this podcast first and see if you can identify which of the underlying problems it might be and then reach out and we can see if we can help you a little bit with moving forward with your horse. So when we're talking about issues with our horse's bucking, the where we need to start is with our first do-no-harm principles. Does your saddle fit well? Are your horse's teeth done? Are their hooves well-maintained? Do they have ulcers? Firstly, when we are dealing with any behavioural issues, we are ruling out all reasons for why your horse might have those issues in the first place. And this is where troubleshooting problems like really become hard because there's lots of reasons for why your horse might be bucking and everyone's gonna have an opinion. Whilst everyone is having opinion, just let me tell you that hitting your horse with the whip for bucking only exacerbates the problem. Uh, I have been in a position previously many a time, this is some pretty old school training, is that to punish your horse for bucking is to use your whip on them. And really all it does is make them buck harder, make them buck higher, and then it becomes a contest between who can buck harder and who can whip harder. So it really is not going to address the issue and it is of no benefit to you or your horse. The horses only buck because they're trying to communicate something. Some horses also will buck out of a little bit of excitement if you're like really revving them up and and getting things going but mostly if we're having specific things happening like your horse only bucks when they go into the canner or your horse is bucking or mounting or you know there's specific scenarios that you can look at and it's like this happens and then my horse bucks then you definitely have some troubleshooting to do to correct the underlying reason for your horse needing to buck in the first place. So definitely work with your vet and your trusted Um, body worker or whoever else you rely on to ensure that your horse is pain-free and make sure that there's nothing happening that is contributing to their discomfort that is um, like more sinister like the ulcers or kissing spine or those kinds of things. So when we have horses that buck at a particular moment, A lot of that has to do with musculoskeletal development, it has a lot to do with postural alignment and you'll probably see some dysfunction in their ability to develop top line. So maybe you're like trying to feed more protein to build more top line, maybe you're seeing like top line wastage. Mostly you will probably be seeing some roaching through their back because one of the biggest reasons for your horses bucking is a posterior pelvic tilt. So when we are working our horses into contact or into a frame and you're just asking for submission to the contact and you're asking them to flex and soften to the contact, What happens is they break away at the third vertebrae instead of working their top line into contact and we get a rotation through the pelvis. So the pelvis rotates to create engagement rather than the horse transferring the weight into the haunches and sitting deeper through their haunches for engagement and I will put a link in the show notes for some video that I've done with a horse with a pelvic tilt and of a horse bucking. (laughs) So if you want to see this pelvic tilt creating bucking in action, check out the link in the show notes to the YouTube video where we uh, discuss this. So, when the horse, um, what can kind of happen a lot with us when we're riding is you know, you might have been working for a year, two years, three years, five years to try and get your horse into a frame because, like, that's where you're at with your training and your development. You can have this frustration of feeling like you're not good enough, you're never going to achieve it. And then all of a sudden, one day, your horse just kind of like puts its head down and you're like, oh, the glory! I'm like, finally succeeded! but they might only put their head down for like one or two strides because initially when their head starts to come down, it's like just a release of tension of the top line muscle. That tension has come from working with hollowness and mostly from working with like the pelvic imbalances as well with alignment. So before our horses actually build top line, they first have to release the top line muscle, the tension that they're holding in the top line muscle to engage the top line. So the muscle building and the muscle bulking as a result of like contracting and releasing the muscle. Before, like once we have tension, we then need them to release the tension to then be able to engage it without tension so that's like the contraction of the muscle that's what a supple muscle is that is what tone is. So what we're looking at is that horse like kind of brings its nose in and you're having a hurrah movement, and then they put their head back up in the air and then you're thinking oh my goodness like am I ever going to get this? It almost becomes more frustrating at that moment because you had it for a second and it's gone again. And so then we can become more dependent on our hands to create that frame out of fear that we're never going to actually be able to achieve it and we're never going to be able to ride our horse into contact. However, when we work our horses for lightness of contact, it's not because they tuck their nose behind the bit and break away at the third vertebrae because they're still gonna be on the forehand when they do this. They structurally cannot like round their neck by coming behind the bit um, and come off the forehand. So what we're trying to do is instead of getting our horse to like tuck their nose to come into contact, come into a frame, come behind the bit, The contact is being used to transfer the weight into the hindquarters so that they're actually coming up through the base of the wither and lengthening their neck. So they're stacking their spine and lengthening their neck into contact. And that's what gets them off the forehand. To do that, we cannot have a backwards action on the bit. You cannot get this by seesawing on their mouth or pulling backwards to bring their head down, even if it's an on-off backwards action because we need to be riding our horse forward through to contact to develop throughness and uphill. So we need to be able to bring our hands together forward and down and our horse comes up into the contact as a result of like us being able to tell them to stack their posture. And so as a result of them stacking their posture, their neck lengthens and the end result looks like their neck is rounded, but it's not like truly like deep and and round. It's like up and out to our hands so that they're staying open through the gullet. So how does this relate to bucking? Well, if your horse has that pelvic tilt, that pelvic rotation, it means that they're not engaging their top line They're not engaging their posture muscles to hold the frame. And so they're still on the forehand, which means they're actually like if you think that they're working on the bit when they're like this, they're actually still hollow. So what that means is that their back is not in action. It's not working while their head is like tucked into the contact tucked behind the bit. So then when we ask for forwardness or we ask for any quality of gait that requires roundedness like the transition into canner or poles or jumping or grid work or anything, the only way our horse has to go is back out with their hindquarters. So if we're trying to push the stride out, if we're trying to ride a can of transition and that's when our horse barks, then it means that their hindquarters are getting trapped, their pelvis is getting trapped in that place of rotation instead of like sitting into the haunches and and squatting through their haunches to get engagement so our trot can they can like really fake it in trot because the trot can be very flat because of the way that they move their leg in that legs in that diagonal pair when we go into canna the way that they have the three beat action that diagonal like only the inside hind and the outside fore is that diagonal pair it creates that roundedness through the back so it's a lot harder for them to actually stay flat in their movement in canna unless they're like getting really strung out but normally that first jump into canna is quite what we would consider what we would call round so if you're seeing that your horse is bucking into canna they're Uh, bucking over, like on the other side of jumps, if they're bucking over a pole, even if like the walk trot transition is a problem, anywhere where you're kind of like getting that lift through the back is firing them into bucking, there's a good chance it's because they're working hollow, they're working tight through their back, the frame has occurred because they're flexing away at the third vertebrae and they're still on the forehand, and we have that Pelvic rotation instead of the squatting through the hindquarters. Because it actually is really hard. Well, it's not like really hard, but it takes a lot longer to develop like top line and true postural alignment. It's a bit longer to develop that than it is to just like develop the suppleness that is required to like tuck their head into the contact, tuck the nose behind the bit. But if even without talking about it being bad for the horse's posture and soundness, it also becomes self-limiting because if you want to scale, like the dressage training scale, and you know, if you want to jump without your horse bucking, the contact needs to be associated with hop flexion, not tucking the nose. Because when you go to move up in your exercises, like, and you want to move out of, out, um, up into collected exercises. If all of the training that you have done has taught your horse to tuck their nose in response to bit pressure instead of sit through the haunches, you literally have to go back and retrain everything to teach them to sit through the haunches from bit pressure rather than just tuck their nose. And it's a lot harder to go back and retrain than it is to do it like that way from the beginning. So if you wanna learn a little bit more about that pelvic tilt, and you think that that might be your horse, check out the video in the links, check out our YouTube training on that pelvic tilt. So one of the other problems that our horses can have with the bucking is with the the mounting process. Uh, And this was one of my first big like, hectic falls as a trainer and a breaker one of my biggest fears came from falling off or not falling off but having a sixteen-three uh, warm blood start like bronking basically every time I tried to mount him it was you know I wasn't even properly in the saddle I just had like one foot in the stirrup and the other leg halfway over and I you know, started out my career as a trainer and a breaker being so scared of actually mounting unknown horses. And I really had to work through that fear and the way that I work through fear is understanding the root cause and how I can prevent that from happening in the future. So when I am breaking, I prefer the horses to not know that bucking is an option because sometimes it's inevitable that you know we're going to fall off when they're bucking so I prefer them just not to know that in the first place uh for like that's for my own safety but then also when we think about our philosophy I don't want the horse to be in a position where it feels like it needs to buck as a result of what I'm doing with them as well so we do a lot of work with obviously the, the relaxation and consent and this is another way that can kind of help you troubleshoot your first do know harm principles is that if we're doing the work with the consent and your horse isn't consenting the bridle then it might be time to check teeth, bridle fit, like uh, if you don't know the horse maybe get the, get the mouth checked for trauma if the bit has been used in a way that's created tissue damage before you've had them. But even then, like I still have horses, you know, they don't have structural damage to their mouth from the bit being used, but they still have like an emotional mental reaction to bit pressure that leads to bucking. And so that is where like, you know, the bit has been used to control them and so they don't have a positive association and relationship with bit pressure they've been in situations where you know they haven't been taught how to have a conversation through bit pressure and bit pressure has been used for control and even if it hasn't been hasn't caused like lasting chronic damage it has still mentally and emotionally traumatized them through the pain. And with those horses, we have to re them and create a new positive association and relationship both with the human and with the bit. So you can have your horses not consenting the bit, you can have your horses not consenting the saddle. If your horse isn't consenting the saddle, then you want to get your saddle checked. And then we can have our horses not consenting the mounting There's plenty of things that go wrong in that mounting process that make our horses feel like they need to buck. So the way that the saddle twists, if we're pulling ourselves up from the ground, uh, can cause stress on their back. Also the way that the girth pulls on their ribs when the saddle twists. But also like if we're just messy mounters, like if we're, lobbing our whole body like dragging our body up the side of them if we kick them on the butt on the way over if we're not in control of our body when we sit down and we plonk heavy there are so many reasons like a horse that doesn't buck on mounting genuinely I think are like very tolerant horses because a lot of people are not particularly considerate of like how climbing up your horse's side is going to be at best uncomfortable and at worst painful so when you're doing this kind of work with a green horse if you're messy in the way that you mount or you're like hurting them in the way that you pull themselves up they can start bucking when you're mounting uh if they have like lower back pain the way that we pull ourselves on the way that they have to brace against us can cause um bucking and then if you plonk heavy, if you're like not particularly, um, you know, holding yourself well, your horse is potentially going to buck there, but also, you know, the way that they are going to brace themselves to, to allow us like onto their backs can mean that they're okay in that halt when we're mounting, but it's the first couple of steps. So they've like, you know, roached their back up to try and hold us as we pull ourselves up, but they haven't released that tension. And then we ask them to walk on and then that's when the bucking starts because they're still like stuck in that position of like bracing themselves for us to hop on. So mounting technique is super important Work on it as hard as you can, be the best, have the best mounting technique you have, you can have for your horse because it is hard for them to hold us while we pull ourselves on. So lastly, I wanted to talk about, you know, last week we were talking about my students learning how to hug for the communication buttons and watching the way that... You know, you, you have to find a way that your horse kind of like lets you in. So if you're feeling like that friction, that wall comes up, maybe you feel like they don't really like you, maybe you feel like they're not really interested, you're not getting that eye contact, you need to figure out the way that your horse is going to let you into them. And that is a lot of trial and error. It's kind of like, you know, having a acquaintance and you go to hug them and they just like you know, stand real tight and brace through their body. They're like, oh, are you touching me? I don't like I don't know you well enough for you to hug me. So it's like, you know, developing enough of a relationship that the horse allows you into them. And this was something that I experienced over the weekend with one of the ponies that I've got on training with doing backing with her is that um, I was hopping on and... What I would normally do is dismount and reinforce like well done for standing still. <clears throat> but when we look into the quality of the stand, like she was still holding worry. And so what we can see with our horses is worry stacking. We we want our horses to know how to empty their, their worry cup. So if I mount her and she starts with worry and then I ask her to walk on, and then that like the worry mounts and then we go into some turns and the worry's mounting even further, then we're gonna kind of hit that threshold where she can't control her behavior anymore because she can't control her emotions. So what I was able to do instead was I, and I can, you know, you can feel it like when your horse roaches their back up against you, if you've been bucked off, you know what it feels like and your body just, you know, instinctively goes into self-protection mode. So, you know, my body was like tight and braced when I could feel her body be tight and braced because I was like ready for the bronco ride. And so normally I would dismount, reward and say, well done for just standing still But instead what I did was I started scratching her on her crest and her neck and her withers. And as I was scratching her, she kind of like relaxed a little through her body. And like as her body relaxed, my body could relax. And then as my body relaxed, I scratched a bit more and her body relaxed a bit more. And so we kept doing this and it was probably about five or ten minutes of just sitting and scratching her back. And slowly she was like more and more relaxing and melting into me and allowing her allowing me into her back Uh, and this is a really important thing that I think that we need to really consider when we are hopping on our horses is that just because they're standing still for us and behaving doesn't necessarily mean that they're allowing us into their back doesn't necessarily mean that they're enjoying being ridden or want us on their back so you really want to feel you know your horse really inviting you into the saddle and into their back and onto their back um you know, she already was doing that we have a really good relationship on the ground but um she was already doing that at the mounting block where if a horse kind of like squares up they kind of stand differently when they're ready for you to hop on because they're like squaring out and bracing themselves for you to hop on and so that's to me an invitation into the saddle and so when i saw her standing up squarely that is like, yep, you're ready for me to hop on, I'll hop on, that's when I'm gonna commit to swinging the leg over, that to me is consent. Mm. But then like within the saddle, even though she was saying, yep, you can hop on, she didn't know what was gonna happen next and what to expect. So what I want the horses to do next is just to relax, like be happy, just chill, take a moment, take a breath. And so just like scratching her, And, you know, doing that work where we kind of like strip back those boundaries and connect and, you know, melt together and integrate in movement and togetherness. Like that's when you know that they're kind of, they've got you and they're gonna carry you and they're not going to eject you. (laughs) So then like dismount reinforce for that relaxation, creating a really positive experience for her. In that process itself. So when we have that worry cup stacking, you know, that in itself can kind of cause an explosion of behavior. A horse that can't control its emotions can't control its behavior. So if it's getting more and more worried and getting more and more tense, inevitably, especially as we pick up speed, that tension will, um, become bucking and, and those kinds of things. So if you're feeling like maybe your horse is one of these things, but you're not really sure and you want some more help, like feel free to message us, email us, whatever you need to do to you know, get that support because bucking isn't your horse just being naughty. There's generally something that you need to be addressing and working through, most likely on the ground, but sometimes in the saddle. And if you're seeing your horse has that pelvic tilt, and you think that maybe that's why you're getting the bucks, then we also have our free training stop drilling circles. You can check that out over at www.equestriummovement forward slash stop drilling circles. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. That's our new, new, our latest free course for you guys to binge and enjoy. Until next week, happy trails. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with legs and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you. Especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience building a connection with your horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma-triggering training methods, register for our new training today
0: at wwwequestrianmovementcom forward slash connection and I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.